Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Brownsbridge Church podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Brownsbridge Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out more information about Brownsbridge Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Christmas is such a pleasant time, isn't it? I mean, I know that life has probably been a little bit crazy for some of the folks in the room. Has anybody had like a really busy month, a little bit crazy, maybe a few more days of craziness left? But even in the midst of it, it's an incredible season, isn't it? I mean, we we may have specific preferences of things that we like more than other things in the season, but we all have something about Christmas that we love. Maybe for you, it's music. Do I have any Christmas music people in the room? You're like, yep, the more of it, the merrier. Some of you, if you're not a music person, you're like, can y'all please, like, no more Christmas music? There's too much of it, you know? But if you're a Christmas music person, it's like, you can listen to it in June and, and be completely happy with that. Um, decorations, Christmas decorations. Anybody, like, really big on that? Yeah, like, light up the whole neighborhood, see it from outer space, that type thing, yeah? I see some elbows out there in the crowd. Uh, Christmas food, you love the food, of the season. Yes. Oh, that got some people clapping and cheering on the food right there. That's incredible. So yeah, I mean, as you can see, there's something to love for everyone about Christmas, but there is one thing that all of us love. You may have never thought about this before, but all of us, all of us love the togetherness that we feel at Christmas. Even if you're an introvert and you don't love being around people, you still love feeling connected. You love feeling together during Christmas. And as your family's all gathering together, there may be some folks in your family that you don't really want to be around, but there's certainly some of your family. That's, that's one of the joys of the season is being able to be around other people and be connected to other people. And it points to this, um, this thing that's true about us all year long. It's true about us all the time, but specifically in this season, it gets highlighted. And it's the reality that none of us wants to be alone. Christmas is a season where that gets kind of pushed to the forefront. And if you don't believe me, just think about the Christmas movies that you've seen. Uh, Kids in the room, have y'all watched any Christmas movies over the last couple of weeks? Yes. Okay, on the count of three. On the count of three, I want you to scream out the movie that you watched, the Christmas movie that you've watched, okay? One, two, three. Okay, I heard Elf. I heard The Grinch. I heard National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. I hope you watched the edited version, TBS version, please. And then Home Alone. It's good. So think about this. Think about this. What, what is the main storyline of all of these movies? I mean, Elf, Elf leaves, yes, Christmas, that is, that's brilliant. Somebody sign her up for college or something. In addition to Christmas, what is the central storyline? I don't know where to go with that now. She's, I've been one-upped, y'all. But think about it, Buddy the Elf, he, he's, he's up in the North Pole with Santa and all his elf friends, but he leaves the North Pole. Why? Who does he want to find? His dad. He wanted to be together with his dad. And the Grinch, what was the Grinch's problem? He was, 
he was up, he left Whoville and he was up by himself up in the mountains where it was cold and lonely. And he was up there for a really, really long time and just eventually turned, he turned out green and grumpy, didn't he? I mean, he was alone. That was his whole problem. Um, Clark W. Griswold, National Lampoons. What was his whole dream for Christmas? He wanted to have everybody under one roof, except for maybe Cousin Eddie. He didn't really want Cousin Eddie. That's a different story. But he wanted everybody else there. He just had the dream. We're going to all be together. And then home alone, uh, you know, spoiler alert, he gets left home alone. If you haven't seen that before, um, Macaulay Calkins' character, Kevin McAllister, uh, gets in trouble with his parents the night before they're leaving on vacation. Everybody's in the house. So he ends up getting sent to the attic to sleep upstairs in the bedroom in the attic. And then in the morning, all the family's getting ready to hustle and bustle. They, they forget that Kevin is in the attic and they all take off and fly off. And, and he, he doesn't wake up till hours later and realizes he is home alone. And at first, it's a really good thing, isn't it? I mean, he starts having all these adventures. He's, he's eating whatever he wants. And, but then, no surprise, he begins to realize, oh, being home alone is not what it's cracked up to be. And by the end of the movie, he's so lonely. And there's that moment where his mom walks in the front door and she says, Kevin. And Kevin's in the living room. And she's in the foyer and they turn and they lock eyes. And it's like they just hold it there. They hold it there and hold it. There's so much suspense. And then they just smile and they come together and they embrace. And it's like, okay, all is well in the world. They are together again. And then the door busts open and the rest of the family comes running back into the house. And it's just, it's so cheery. Everybody can just feel it in their heart. Everyone's together at Christmas. Kevin even walks over to the door and he looks out the door at old man Marley. Do you remember this? He lived in the house next door and they thought he was this really scary old dude. And it turns out that old man Marley was really a good guy. And he actually was estranged from his adult children. And at the end of the movie, they add this in just to give us more warmth in our hearts. Old man Marley's hugging his adult grown children in front of their house right after Kevin gets to greet his family. There's just this togetherness at Christmas. And it highlights this reality that, that none of us, none of us wants to be alone. Yet all of us, we, we have times in our lives where we do feel alone, don't we? We're going through something in life. We've got some sort of challenge, some sort of adversity, and we'll begin to feel like we're alone. And it may not be as bad as Kevin McAllister in Home Alone. It may not be as isolated as the Grinch was up on that mountain. But all of us, you, me, every one of us, we will all have times in our lives where we feel alone. Deep in the forest, the sun began to sink away. Shadows grew, the wind turned cold. For now, t'was night, where once there was day, he read ominously. Oh. For now, t'was night, where once was day. Huh? <laughs> Our young one, now wandered, lost in the trees, once joyful, now lonely, and wishing to flee. Where was the path home? He just didn't know. How much forest was left, or even which way to go. Before that first Christmas, uh, the people felt a lot like the boy in our video. They were lost, and they, they felt lost, and they felt alone. Specifically for the ancient Israelites, there had been this period of silence 
400 years where God had been speaking through the prophets and then it got to this point 400 years before that first Christmas and God went silent. And they began to believe the myth that they were alone. But to be able to understand what God was up to, you really have to go back, all the way back to the beginning of the story. At creation, the creation account, God created the heavens and the earth. He created male and female. He created the mountains and the oceans, and it was good. But then sin entered the picture. And the brokenness and the challenges that followed came flooding in. And then we see centuries of God trying to lead his people as they would be faithful for a while and they would enjoy life with God, but then eventually they would forget about him or they would forget what he's done for them and they would go astray and end up experiencing all sorts of consequences as a result. And then eventually, God goes silent. And it's in that silence that they begin to think that they're alone. But what they forgot was that God had always been a with us God. You go back to the beginning and God was with Adam and Eve in the garden. And when they fell, God was with them correcting and repairing the relationship and guiding them into what was next. We see in the Genesis account that God was with Noah and he was with Abraham. He was with Isaac. He told Isaac, I want you to go to Egypt. And Isaac said, I don't want to go to Egypt. But God said, listen, I know, but I will be with you. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob's son, Joseph, is one you may know about as well. Joseph had a lot of brothers and his brothers, he was the youngest, he ended up, uh, they got really jealous of Joseph. And so they ended up selling him into slavery. So uh, if this Christmas you feel like you've got some issues with your family, it's really nothing compared to what Joseph was going through. Maybe just remember Joseph, it'll make you feel better this holiday season as you're seated around a contentious Christmas table potentially. But Joseph, you may remember this in the account, he, he gets sold into slavery and then he gets framed for a crime he didn't commit. And then he gets forgotten by the Pharaoh who he had helped and was gonna potentially rescue him. And yet through one challenging situation after another, this phrase kept being repeated, that God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph, which we would say, wait a second. No, God wasn't with him. Look at the disaster that was coming into his life. No. God was still with him in the midst of that. God was with Moses. He interacted with Moses in a number of different ways. One encounter was with a burning bush that started to speak to him. Adults, you may remember this, when Charlton Heston had to take off his flip-flops and kneel down. That was the moment where God spoke to Moses through this burning bush as he led the Israelites. And then the Israelites, they struggled with obeying God and following him and then forgetting God and, and disobeying him. And they would obey for a while and then forget him for a while. And through it all, God was with them. At one point, uh, their disobedience led them to have to wander in the desert for 40 years. And you would think it, okay, at that moment, when they're in the desert, God's not gonna be with them. You know, he's really gonna show them. He's punishing them for what they did wrong. But instead, God was with them every step of the way. He provided food for them in the desert, bread from heaven 
They didn't know what to call it, so they called it manna. Manna literally means what is it? They didn't know what to call it, so they said, we're just going to call it, what is it? What is it? We don't know. But God sustained them in the desert. He was with them. Then during that 400 years of silence, leading up to that first Christmas, they were convinced. Okay, yeah, I know he's been with us in the past, but he is no longer with us. They began to believe that they were all alone. And then Christmas happened. Jesus was born. You're probably familiar with the story that a, that a young woman named Mary was pledged to be married to a young man named Joseph. And an angel appears to Mary and says, hey, you are, you are going to have a child. And Mary's like, how is that even possible? She said, no, it's gonna happen, it's from God. Mary says, okay. And then Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant and that's really problematic because they weren't married yet. But then an angel appears to Joseph and says, no, this is a good thing, it's from God. And so they stay engaged. During their engagement, during her pregnancy, a census is called. And so they have to travel from Galilee south, a long, dangerous trip down to Bethlehem where Joseph was from. And when they get there, as you're probably familiar, there was no place for them to stay. There were so many people who had returned there for the census and there was no room for them anywhere. So they end up sleeping in some sort of animal stable or a cave where animals were kept. And while they were waiting for the census, it came time for the baby to be born. And they wrapped him in clothes and they put him in a manger, at one of the animals' feeding troughs. And you know that, that shepherds that were out in the fields nearby, an angel appeared to them and told them this good news that Jesus had been born and, born and, and the shepherds came to see what had taken place. This great thing that God had done. And listen to the way that the gospel writer Matthew describes it. Matthew followed Jesus in his ministry and years later he documented an account of Jesus's life. And he tells the Christmas story and he, he says this, he says that all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And at this point, he reaches back in the story something his audience, he was writing to a primarily Jewish audience. They would have been very, very familiar. He actually doesn't even name the prophet here. But the prophet he was quoting was Isaiah, who lived about 750 years before the time of Christ. And he quotes Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. This was something that God told to Isaiah when, when, when the Israelites were in bondage, they were in exile, they'd been captured. And God told Isaiah, I want you to encourage the people, that I will give them a sign. A virgin is going to give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. And Matthew, at the time of Christ, is reaching back and saying, this, this event right here, Jesus being born, is a fulfillment of that prophecy 750 years earlier. But he adds on a little clarification. Isaiah said that the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel. But Matthew's audience, not all of them spoke Hebrew. So Matthew went ahead and defined what Emmanuel meant in Hebrew. 
They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. And that may be a little confusing to some of us in here, especially the little ones. It's like, wait a second, I thought his name was Jesus. Is his name Jesus or is it Emmanuel? Well, Jesus is his name. What they called him was Emmanuel. Emmanuel was a descriptor. It described who he was and what he had done. The easiest way to think about this is kids, um, what do you call your parents? Do you call them by their first name? What do you call them? Mom and dad, that's right. Now, mom and dad is not their name, but it's a description of who they are and what they do. I have four sons and they call me dad. Most of the time, they call me dad. Sometimes they will use my name, but my, my name is Adam, but they call me dad. My name is Adam, but they call me dad. His name is Jesus, but they call him Emmanuel. His name is Jesus, but they call him God with us. You see, at that first Christmas, God punctuated. He punctuated the fact that he has always been with us. He took away all doubt. He took away all doubt. If we ever had to question if God was for us, if he was with us, he answered that at Christmas. He sent Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so as we go through life, oftentimes we hit situations where we begin to feel alone. We have challenges in life. And in those moments, we begin to ask the question, where is God? We no longer have to ask that question. We can ask a better question. We don't have to ask where, we can ask what. Instead of where are you, God? We can ask what, what are you up to, God? Or what might God be up to in this situation? What might God be up to in my life right now? Those moments where you struggle a little bit, maybe it's your job, where things are just completely stressed out and you're beginning to, uh, to, to lose your temper. You're beginning to just inside, you can't stop thinking about it. It's just kind of got control of you. In those moments, pause, know that God is with you and ask him, what are you up to, God? Maybe it's with your spouse, your significant other, those moments when you're just button heads and you can't communicate. And it's like, how does he not understand? How does she not understand? It's like, how do they not see it the way that I see it, which is obviously the right way. In those moments, it's not where, it's not where are you, God? What are you up to, God? What might you be up to in this situation? That's a much different question whatever the situation is for you, where you begin to feel alone. And you may not think about it that way. You may not think, well, I don't really think alone, but where, where you struggle in life, think about the difference it would make if you were confident that God was with you and you were able to ask God, what are you up to in my life right now? So as we go through this Christmas season, don't ask where, 
Ask what? As you interact with your family over the next couple days, as things don't go perfect, they're never gonna go perfect. When you bump into those moments, God, what are you up to in my life? Because at Christmas, at Christmas, God answered the question of whether or not we are alone or whether we ever will be alone again. He is, he is with us. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us.